You duped me, Lord, and I let myself be duped. What does it mean to dupe someone? It means you're trying to trick them or deceive them, make them believe that something that is false is the truth. Well, God is always true. He's the author of all that is and all that is good. He would never lie to us. He doesn't play games. There are no tricks. Why is Jeremiah accusing God of doing such things? It's because Jeremiah never wanted the job that gave to him. If we looked all the way back in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, there's a beautiful description of the calling of the prophet. When in chapter 1, verse 5, God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. That means that God knew from the time before Jeremiah was born that he was going to be a prophet, but he didn't tell Jeremiah and he didn't tell Jeremiah's parents. Jeremiah didn't find out until he was 30 years old that this was God's plan for him. And when he found out, what was his reaction? Ah, Lord God, I know not how to speak. I am too young. He didn't want the job, and he's in good company. All throughout the 2,000 years of the Old Testament, we can find plenty of people that when selected by God or informed by God that they had been pre-selected to be a patriarch, a prophet, or a judge for God's chosen people, there was a slew of excuses. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too dumb, I'm too sinful, I am unworthy, I am unfaithful, I am too timid, no one's going to listen to me. All these excuses. Jeremiah is one among many. But in none of those cases can we ever find evidence where just because someone didn't want to do it, did God ask somebody else or change his will for that person. Jeremiah shouldn't be accusing God of playing tricks because God warned him from the beginning how things were going to go when he made him a prophet. Jeremiah should have read the fine print in the contract. God told him at the end of chapter 1, he said everyone's going to come against you but you need not be afraid because they will not prevail over you god promised to make him a fortified city a pillar of iron a wall of brass against the whole land even kings and princes he didn't say those kings and princes and all the people were going to like what jeremiah told them but he said he would never die for telling them didn't mean he wasn't going to come close and that's where Jeremiah has had his fill. He's been at it for decades. And when people don't like the message, they want to shoot the messenger. And everybody's upset with Jeremiah instead of themselves for their sins. And that was the essence of the message that God gave Jeremiah to preach. This was 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And all throughout the Old Testament, the story of lather, rinse, and repeat for God's chosen people. Moses had told them 1100 B.C., you unto the promised land. You only are able to stay there inasmuch as you stop worshiping false gods and remain faithful to God and to his covenant. You only have long life in the land if you obey God's command, Moses said. If you don't, you won't. And that had proven true time and again. As the Israelites kept worshiping false gods, they kept getting invaded by foreign countries and then taken to those countries to live in exile as slaves. And it's about to happen again and Jeremiah is going to be sent into exile along with them as the armies of King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, present day Iraq, Judah's enemy to the east. And those armies are on the march. And Jeremiah's message given to him by God is not to blame the Babylonians for invading Judah, but for 
Judah to take responsibility for their own sinfulness, lack of covenant faithfulness that is leading to the destruction that is sure to come. That was a very unpopular and controversial message. Jeremiah had been beaten, stoned, whipped, thrown down wells, arrested. There were plots to assassinate him. All of that culminates then in chapter 20 where he wants to quit. He wants to resign. He said, God, I will speak your name no more. I will speak your word no more. But he couldn't, he couldn't stop. Why? Because when he tried to keep it in, he got terrible, terrible heavenly heartburn. It was like a fire in his belly. And he had to let it out. Why? Because if it's God's word, if it's God's work, if it's God's will, we just have to let it be. We have to get out of the way and we will never find peace or happiness if we're looking for something else besides God to make us happy. And yet the world has invested billions in looking for things besides God, looking for love in all the wrong places that will satisfy us. And all of it falls short. None of it will ever come to any fruition because it's only in God, through God, and with God that we will ever find true and lasting happiness. Just ask St. Peter. It's peaks and valleys for him in Matthew chapter 16. Last Sunday, he was on the mountaintop. It was great. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Simon, son of John, said, you are the Christ. And Jesus rewarded him and said, Simon, son of John, you are Peter. Here, have these keys. They're the keys to the kingdom of heaven, something that was never given to anyone else. He was made the first pope. He was made the firm apostolic foundation of which a whole church would be built and a kingdom would be preached and sins forgiven. Well, that was Peter's greatness. Boy, but it comes at a price. Remember the fishermen of Galilee when Jesus called them at the beginning of each gospel to follow him? They did so on blind faith. He didn't tell them where they were going and they didn't ask. For the better part of a thousand days, they've been following Jesus all around Galilee, uh, the Judean countryside, even in the Gentile towns. Jesus was preaching and teaching and healing, but he never told them about the plan. He never told them about the destination until the first verse of today's gospel, which picks up immediately where last Sunday's left off. In Matthew 16, 21, Jesus tells them that he is not leading them to victory over their enemies. Instead, he's going to be murdered. In the very next verse, he said, whoever wishes to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That shows even here, Jesus knew how he was going to die. He knew he wasn't going to be hanged or thrust through with a sword. He knew he would hang on the curse of the cross. Well, for Peter, who just last Sunday had said, you are the Christ, which means he believes that Jesus is God, and who better than God knows the mind of God, well, now he's heard something that is a bitter pill to swallow, and he refuses to accept that murder could be part of God's plan for salvation for man. So he says, God forbid, Lord, Jesus, nothing like that will ever happen to you. Yesterday, last Sunday, he became the rock. Now he's back to being a little pebble. As Peter has decided it's wise to argue with God about who knows God's will and what God's will for man should be, Jesus, who had given him those keys, now calls him a devil. He says, get out of my sight, Satan. You're thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Peter can't understand how life can come from death, how light can come from dark, but Jesus does because he is God, and he has always known that this was his destiny, that it was God the Father's plan for him. He just needs Peter to get over his fears 
his faults, his failings, his sinfulness, his selfishness, his pride, and just accept, much like Jeremiah, if it's God's word, if it's God's will, if it's God's work, he will see it through, regardless of the obstacles. Jeremiah and Peter, taken together, are an instruction for us. Why? Jeremiah tried to quit. God did not accept the letter of resignation. Peter failed in the very first moments of his papacy, but Jesus did not ask for the keys back. In no case with Jeremiah or Peter or anywhere else that we can find in the good book or in our Christian history does God remove his will from someone just because they don't think they can do it. It may be left undone if they won't try, but he's not given it to someone else. If he told Jeremiah, before I put you in my mother's womb, I already decided your will, your work, and your fate in this world, isn't that the same for all of us? We all have a task that he has given us, and we may feel unwilling, unworthy, too sinful, too fearful, too young, too old, I don't have the right words, no one's going to listen to me. We can make all kinds of excuses, but we'll never be happy unless we try. And if we do try, God will do everything else. Do we have to win? No. We have to run. That's the message of the scriptures. We don't have to win the race. Jesus already did. He already won the war. We just have to wage the battle. And so if we fall down, we have to keep getting back up. One of our favorite quotes from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, God calls upon us not to be successful, but to be faithful. Jeremiah, Peter, all they had to do was try. And in us and through us, God will do the rest, and he will do his best.